This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, today we've got a special guest on the podcast. His name is Matt Greiner, and he's actually a return guest, but he has not been on the show in a very, very long time. He was on episode 121 of this podcast. That was way back in February of 2020. Y'all remember that year? But he is the drummer of the band August Burns Red. And guys, if you've listened to my show for any length of time, that's my intro outro music. So I talk about that. If you don't listen all the way to the end, I actually say that. But every single one of our episodes, the intro and outro music, <clears throat> excuse me, has been from August Burns Red. So we absolutely love that band. And they've just released their 10th full length studio album called Death Below. If you're listening to this on time, it was just released last Friday. So wherever you get your music, you can download that album. But they started out as an underground Christian metal band in a small town in Pennsylvania. And they're now one of the biggest metal bands in the world. And so he is my literal number one favorite metal drummer alive at the moment. So metal is my favorite kind of music and he's my favorite drummer. And he knows that it's not weird. We're buddies, but he's actually been, um, been gracious enough to be on this podcast before, but on this particular podcast, I just want to kind of do a little bit of house cleaning. I'm going to ask him some of the same questions I did back on episode 121 because the audience is astronomically bigger now than it was back in 2020. And so if you're not going to go back and listen to episode 121, I wanted to make sure you still got some of the context. But since we interviewed him so long ago, We'll make sure that we have some of that. And in this particular interview, we talk about how he got into music, how he got into drumming, how he got into metal, how, you know, how a band of teenagers from Amish country can make metal core. Like, how does that even work? But then we do get into how most people just hear their style of music and specifically the vocals and think satanic or dark or evil or something like that. But that couldn't be farther from the truth in terms of the guys that are actually in the band. And then we talk about how early on, even I, I said they were, you know, a Christian metal underground band, but they kind of had a, a bit of a falling out with each other. Not well, falling out is probably not the right way to say it, but they had a kind of define the relationship talk, I guess, about what their band was going to be. Are they going to be a Christian band? Are they going to be a band that has Christians in it? Are they just going to be a band and try to make it a good business and be successful and play music for a long time? So they get into all that type of information uh, as it pertains to that. We talk about that, but then we talk about how this is the 20 year anniversary of that band and they're on tour right now, what that looks like. We dig into the new album, talk about some of the tracks. We talk about some of the features that are on that album. And then we talk about the future of August Burns Red. You know, how much longer can y'all play this style of music? Do you want to get into other styles? Are you going to be doing different things? But then I asked them a bunch of fun questions there at the end. Like, you know, hey, if you had to delete every single August Burns Red album except one, which one would you leave? What about every song except for one? Which one would you leave? And then if he could be a, a drummer for any other band in the world, if his band no longer existed, you know, who would that be? And I asked him some other questions like that. So if you're into that kind of like, let's suspend reality, and belief and get into a question like that, you'll enjoy the end of this interview for sure. But I always enjoy talking with him. He and I have been become good friends over the last several years. You know, we'll talk from time to time and, you know, he wishes me well, I wish him well. And so it's just been a, a great budding friendship and I'm just very, very thankful for him and the work that he's done and also for his time that he spent with me today. So I'm not going to keep him from you any longer. So guys, without further ado, let's get into it. Matt Greiner, welcome back to Undaunted Life of Man's podcast. Thank you for having me. Good to be back. It's funny I say back, but you were on back like in the in the 1900s, it seems like, because it's been so long <laughs> since you've been on the show, but it's because y'all haven't released an album 
seemingly in, in that long. So, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get to the new album, but we're going to have to go over some of the stuff that if y'all missed the last one, cause our audience is way bigger than it was. If you missed our first interview, we'll be doing some of the same questions here, but you bang on things really hard for a living. Okay. So that's what you do. You hit things really hard and noise comes out and people like that noise. But I guess when, when did you decide to, to get into drumming? And I guess, you know, a lot of people have drummed before, but they haven't like, you know, turned that into a profession. Where was, where did that interest level for you become like, no, 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 I don't just like drumming. I want to make this what I do for a living. I prefer this introduction to any introduction I've ever had. Okay. On good. Podcast or interview. I was just on the way home. Uh, I was listening to a radio station and the radio host was talking about this guy. He's, he's the ex CEO of home Depot. And he just goes on this list of like 10 minutes of accolades that this guy has. This guy's in his nineties, the guy he's setting up and the guy gets on and he's like, well, now I'm completely exhausted by my introduction to myself. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I try to get to the point and make you. it a little bit interesting. Okay. He, he hits things and people like it. <laughs> That's right. That's how it goes. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's pretty much what I do. Wow. Uh, I, I started playing drums when I was 15. I'm mm. 37. So I've been playing for 22 years. And uh, when I started playing drums, I, I didn't know that I wanted to play drums. I just knew I didn't want to play piano. So I'd been okay. playing for four years. And I was on the way home from lessons on the dashboard of my mom's car. Uh, I was... You know, uh, coming home from a lesson and I was going one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. If you can't see my fingers right now, I'm going through five digits, five fingers. And somehow I wasn't starting and ending on the same finger or digit. I, I was flabbergasted by this. Like, how is it that I'm starting and ending on a different finger each time? Uh, what I didn't know is that I was playing a polyrhythm without knowing what a polyrhythm was. And I turned and I said to my mom, mom, I would like to to quit playing piano and start playing drums. My mom was the easy sell. My dad was the hard sell. Mm. My dad knew that, Matt, you've been into BMXing, motocross, and skateboarding all every year for the past five years. You're going to spend a thousand bucks on a drum kit. I don't think so. That's wait, get you a snare drum, stick with it for a year, learn how to play Wipeout, and then we'll see. <laughs> okay. And um, I, I stuck with it, and then uh, I bought a drum set for $850 from a friend who was in a Metallica cover band started playing with uh, the guys in ABR eventually. And we all liked the same kind of music. And, you know, I, I fell in love with drumming because it's the hardest thing I had ever done at that point in time, 22 years later, it's still easily the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Well, that's because you don't have any little rugrats running around. So we, we need to start working on that. Cause that'll be like the worst thing you, <laughs> not the worst thing you've ever done, but it'll definitely be the hardest. So, so you mentioned, you know, you start playing with the guys from August Burns Red, but you're all from Lancaster PA. That's like the middle of Amish country and y'all mm -hmm. sound for anybody that doesn't know the band's music. Well, if you've ever listened to my show, it's the, been the intro outro music on every single one of these shows. Okay. So very aggressive and we'll get more into the aggressive sound here in a little bit, but I guess what influences for you guys and for you specifically, Matt, kind of led you to metalcore? And we don't have to get into all the, you know, difference between metal and hardcore and metalcore and how they all coalesce. That's that's going to be a little bit too nerdy. But like, how does, how do people growing up in Amish country end up going into, you know, a barn and recording this type of aggressive music? Hmm. Yeah, to contextualize this, uh, my farm that I was born and raised on and now own half of with my brothers and my dad is surrounded by Amish farms and 
a few developments, but it's it's a very ag centric area. So there we were practicing in my barn writing these metal songs. Hmm. And you think, how in the world did we get there? I think for me it was I was surrounded by people who thought the same way in homeschool group at church. And I thought there's there's gotta be more than this. There has to be more than what I hear on the radio. Hmm. And being on the fringe, I I just felt like I, I needed a little bit more than what I was hearing and what I was seeing. So I, I found out about this alternative style of music at a Christian festival called Creation in the year 2000 or so. And when I, I heard a band called Project 86, I heard a band called P.O.D., I heard a band called um, Zayo mm. <laughs> perform. And I just I couldn't believe that this style of music was something I had never heard before and could never... I just couldn't forget about it. I left the festival. I bought a few CDs. My mom was like, I'm going to need to read those lyrics. This sounds <laughs> like bad news. <laughs> yeah, right. And that, I, I mean, honestly, as a teenager, that made me like it even more. It's like, oh, cool. This is something that I'm not allowed to do. not allowed to listen to. And none of my friends know about it. I'm in. And uh, the drumming thing just sort of accelerated my interest in it. Because like I said, it's, it's the hardest genre of music i'd heard up until that point and i like the challenge i like to uh, invest myself in something that is difficult so that i can see if i can accomplish see if i can break through and those two things in conjunction not allowed to none of my friends listen to it and this is the hardest thing i've ever done kind of meshed together into Mm. what became august burns red in the beginning well, and the thing that's very interesting about y'all's band as well is like some metal bands just get together and they jam and then they end up just like finding the song, but you guys are actually writing the songs. Like you can read music and that's kind of a very interesting thing, but I want to go back to something that you mentioned a second ago, and that's the aggressive, almost dark sound of metalcore as a genre. So this happened here recently. So, cause I I've had to deal with this for the entirety of my show since 2017, because I've had y'all's music as our intro outro music. And the question will be like, why do you have satanic music as your intro outro music? I had this one guy and finally over the weekend, I had to tell him to stop. I was like, look, I don't block anybody, but you're right for the picking because every few weeks he would send me something about how the music was satanic and how he would listen to my Spotify Christian metal playlist, which had Project 86 and Zayo and Living Sacrifice and August Burns Red and Becoming the Archetype and O Sleeper. And he he would say, tell me how these aren't satanic sounds that are being made. He's like, these are demon notes that these bands are using. And I'm like, what in the world is a demon note? And finally I told him, I was like, is there a sound that can be made with an instrument that God can't redeem for his glory? Are you crazy? And then over the weekend, he's sending me like pictures of Becoming the Archetype album covers. And um, uh, what was the other one? I can't remember, Uh, but there were all these bands that were like, you know, in the Christian metal genre. And he's like, tell me how these aren't satanic. And I'm like, well, you can't prove a negative. You're the one saying they are satanic. So prove it to me. Obviously, if you don't know anything about metal and you hear Jake's vocals, those, the screaming vocals, most people default to saying the word screamo because they don't know what screamo is, or they say, well, that's obviously got to be satanic. But again, y'all's tagline for your band, maybe the greatest tagline ever, angry music for happy people. Like I'm never happier than when I'm listening to y'all's music. That's a really long setup to a question to something that you've heard your entire career. How can you guys play this music and not be satanic? I guess. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. We've heard this since the beginning. This was a question we heard a lot in the beginning at Christian festivals. Mm-hmm. So the pretense was, you're a Christian band. And as a Christian band, tell us about your faith. Well, 
they were boxing us into this world of something that we never said we are. It was by association. We're on solid state records Mm -hmm. and every band on solid state records is a Christian band. Well, first of all, let's step back a few steps. What is a Christian band? To your point, if you play a C chord on a guitar, or if you play a blast beat on drums, which is really just eighth notes or 16th notes sped up fast and played loud, how is it spiritual on any level? It's just sound. And how is Jake screaming versus singing spiritual in a positive or negative in a Christian or satanic way? It's, it's something that we've associated um, with a sound, but is it really that way? So I'm not going to sit here and say, I can't empathize with someone that says that. I, I can. I can only imagine what my parents were thinking when their son started a metal band in their basement and they're upstairs. My mom's upstairs cooking dinner and she hears this guy screaming in the basement over top of this loud, awful music in the beginning. But I, I will say if, if you want to test your theory before you make a judgment, um, do some work, do your due diligence, come to a show, talk to me. Because the amount of times I've talked to someone at the barricade or gotten messages from people. Um, and I will take a lot of these stories to the grave, but there is so much church happening inside of a show at a mm-hmm. venue after the show, before the show, even during the show. And these are people that don't want to go inside a church. And honestly, as, as sad as this is to say, I don't blame them because of this thought process that that is evil that is satanic stay away don't touch it if you get close to it it will burn you your faith isn't strong enough to stand the test of being close to something that's not like it and that is a problem with the western church in my opinion where we say this is a caricature of christianity it's not really about christ it's about being good it's about being separate it's about being better than it's about looking down your nose at other people and it's it's judgmental and it builds walls And it's not, in essence, what Christianity is about. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he came to die for you because he loves you and he cares about you, everybody, it has nothing to do with what you've done, then you can get close to anybody anywhere in the world at any time and not look down your nose at them, but also not be afraid that what you believe is going to be tainted. It. And and yet that's kind of the world that we live in is like live in the world, but not of the world. Don't get close to this stuff. I would rather sit next to someone who's a non-Christian on an airplane than a Christian, because I found in my experience, there's a lot to be learned from someone who isn't guided by this morality that I, I, I have salvation because of what I've done. And I've, I've seen people at our shows who are in church and it's been amazing to have the experience I've had where I've, I've gotten to pray with people and I've gotten to talk to people just because I, like you said earlier, I, I hit, I hit the drums as hard as I can. Yeah. The thing about that as well, Matt, that I find interesting is, so for you, you mentioned the bands. We have a similar band, Zayo and Living Sacrifice. Those were the first two bands. So it was Reborn by Living Sacrifice, and it was, uh, oh my gosh, <clears throat> the first Zayo album that Dan was on. I'm gonna, Liberate, it, uh, it was the one before that. It was uh, Blood and Fire. I can't believe that's like my favorite album of all time, and oh, I, I couldn't remember it. But then when you hear a guy like Maddie from For Today, 
or Mike from Convictions, who who did a who did a little uh, jaunt with you guys as as the uh, the lead singer whenever Jake had to go take care of some business, and you hear about the things that they experience at shows, they're having church with people now. I think we should all be encouraging people to be a part of a local body because that's what we're called to do, to be part of an ecclesia, uh, a community of faith, to not go it alone, to go your own way and like, oh, I'm just going to be like Lecrae and wear my church clothes and walk on the street. No, no, no. Like you need to be part of a a local community. But that kind of gets back to the question about like, okay, there are bands that I have on my Spotify Christian metal playlist that would not consider themselves to be Christian. Maybe they were on a Christian label around, you know, Solid State because y'all were, you know, on Solid State when it was like, the best, you know, thing possible, the the greatest lineup of bands you could imagine for that genre and in that scene. But then there was a point in y'all's career, and we don't have to get into all the details because we did that the last time uh, you were on the show. Y'all kind of had a a little bit of a come to Jesus thing, you know, forgive the pun about what this band is going to be. Are we a Christian metal band? Are we a metal band that has Christians in it? Are we just a metal band that's just doing this because this is what we like to do and we're going to go, you know, make records and then go make money by by going on tour and selling merch and selling tickets. But y'all y'all kind of came to an agreement as a band as to kind of what you were going to do and how you were going to do it. And I even asked you off air and you said, things have never been better for you guys as a band, understanding your role, not only within the genre, but your role within the relationship of each other in having the business of a band. But take me through that a little bit because it makes a lot of people very, very uncomfortable. And I think this is the reason why I remember hearing stories about bands. Embodiment was one of them. I think I remember the lead singer talking about, well, we just said we were a Christian band because we didn't cuss in our music and we talked about positive stuff, but it was either get paid 200 bucks to play at a bar or get paid 1200 bucks to play at a church, like in their youth room or something like that. And so for us, it's like, yeah, we're going to go, go make money. And so if we have to sit there and let kids pray for us after the show, like, I, I guess that'll be okay. But for y'all, y'all went through the whole gamut. So take that wherever you want to go with it. Mm-hmm, sure. The guys in my band uh, are the best guys I could find if I had to scout and go on LinkedIn and find this musical group. If I know what I know now, 20 years ago, I'm picking the same guys. And uh, we played our biggest show of our career in Denver, Colorado, about two weeks ago. Biggest club headline show of all time. The videos were, about were 3,400 nuts. people there. That was nuts. It was wild. So I have a little drum solo at the end, and I sometimes get on the mic and dedicate it to someone in the crowd that I met, or somebody had a birthday, or someone in our crew. That night I went up and I said, I just want to dedicate my drum solo to the four guys in my band who were on the stage. And I started getting choked up. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was not expecting to like get emotional about this. It it shouldn't be something that catches me off guard. I'm with them every day. Sometimes they are easy to get along with and sometimes they're not. They're just human beings and we're sharing the same bus together. But here I was in front of the biggest crowd ever and I'm talking about my friends. And I'd rather have them in the band with me than anyone else. I think that the reason we are here today is because we clearly defined what we're doing. And in the beginning, like I said, the pretense was August Burns Red, as a Christian band, yeah. tell us about your faith. And it was like, wait, is there a question in there before the tell us about your faith? Like, are you a Christian band? What does it mean to be a Christian band? Are you Christians? Who is Jesus to you? And so we took on this blanket statement that wasn't something we defined, but other people define for us. And eventually it, it came to a head and we were in the dressing room in Australia, figuring out what are we doing here? Like, what is the point of all this? Mm. And uh, it wasn't nice. We had a few elephants in the room and we said some things we probably didn't mean, but in the end, 
I'm standing there going, man, I'd rather get to heaven and God say to me, why didn't you use my name when you could have for your band instead of how dare you use my name to benefit your career and your band? And the point in which we were before that meeting, before we redefined our, our band as a business who aims to play music at a high level, be positive in the world of metal music and the music industry and do a good job as musicians, as business partners. Um, we defined ourselves in a way that was a common denominator instead of like, no, I want to be this. No, I want to be that. No, I want to be this. Wait, let's just keep going down a few levels until we meet each other. Once we did that, I figured out that, you know what, it gives me actually more freedom to do what God's called me to do, what I believe God's called me to do with this band, which is very much so off of stage as much as it is on stage. It's, it's the conversation I'm having with someone that no one will ever know about except for me and that person. And that's where the magic happens. That's where the real conversations happen. And, and otherwise, it's just this like blanket statement of, oh, we're a Christian band. But what does that mean? What are you actually doing? How many times do you have to say God in the song to be a Christian band? Mm-hmm. What kind of notes do you have to play? Not those I demon notes. All, you can't play those I demon think, notes, think, you know. <laughs> keep those out of the mix. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that there is a lot to be said about the Christian music industry, and um, there there are a lot of a lot of people that buy into it because it's Christian. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather not be disingenuous about what we're doing because we are at least in control of that. I think we we at a I think we as a band are running on all cylinders because of the controversy because of the awful conversations we've had to have at times over the years where we've been like, okay, what are we doing? Let's hammer this out. Why'd you just do that? What are you doing? What are we doing? What do we hope to do? And and we're running on um, just at a, a better pace than we have in the past because we have a more unified vision. When, I mean, anytime you're working in a group and anyone that works at a company right now, you know this, when there's a unified vision within your team or within your company, things tend to run more smoothly and you get a lot more done. But I think something that this leads to, Matt, is a discussion about the naivete of people that are fans of Christian music. And the the question I would like to throw out to you, for for those of you that love every song on K-Love and Air One, and you go to the Christian bookstores and you you buy the CDs and the the awkward t-shirts and all that, has it ever occurred to you that not everybody that is making the sound to create that song is a Christian. Not everybody, they might say they're a Christian, but they have not put their faith in the sacrifice of Jesus as payment for their sins. That includes the singers, but even look at these big churches, these mega churches that have these mega bands. Some of those people in the band are session musicians, as in they are paid a few hundred bucks a weekend to come and jam with the person who is the the leader of the worship crew or something like that. And there may be the Christian. And so I think for a lot of people, we get really, really wrapped around the axle about labels. Cause then it's like, okay, are you just a Christian band or are you a Protestant band? Are you a Catholic band? Do you like Calvinist theology? Are you Pentecostal? Like you you can start breaking it down into Mm -hmm. all these different areas. Then the reality is, is regardless Mm -hmm. of your job, Matt, and you know, this work is unto the Lord. Like whenever this show had, tens of listeners as opposed to tens Mm -hmm. of thousands and hundreds of thousands of listeners. 
I gave it the same level of effort because I was working as unto the Lord. And, you know, there's not going to be a big difference in my level of prep between this conversation with you and the one we had three years ago, because I was working mm-hmm. as unto the Lord. The, I guess yeah. where that leads, Matt, is like, okay, I only know that you and Jake, the lead singer of ABR, are professed public Christians. I don't know about the other guys in the band. Has that come up on tour where you have an interviewer interviewing you guys and they ask one of those other guys a more pointed religious question? Or when you have you know a kid or a fan or something like that coming up and maybe they're wanting to be ministered to and they go to a member of the band that's maybe uncomfortable with that? Again, I'm creating scenarios that I have not heard of, but has something like that happened where it kind of creates a little bit of this dissonance? Yeah. Absolutely. It's funny you bring that up because that, that that does happen at times and it's like, Ooh, what, what does everyone believe? It's almost like you're airing your business meeting in front of the fan who just asked the question like, Oh, we're actually all kind of curious here. You know, like Matt, where are you at right now? You just went through something awful. You you still, you still the same amount of faith. Oh yeah. Actually I have more, I have more faith. I actually know that I believe in God even more than I did before because of this terrible thing I went through, not in spite of it. And I think, I would, I would look at it like this. The times that my band, the guys in my band, I would like to think if they were listening to this, that they've noticed what my faith really means to me. Is it just a bunch of words? Is it just a title? Is it because I was born and raised in a Christian house? The times that they've looked at me probably the closest have been the times, I'm trying not to get choked up here, um, <laughs> where I've been through something that has rocked me. That's when you're under the microscope. What does it really mean to you to believe in Jesus? Is it just because it benefits you? Is it just because it's what you know? It's what you're comfortable with? You're afraid of anything else? It's safe? Or is it real? And I think five or six years ago when I was going through something very challenging, um, I remember having a conversation with someone on my in my van and they said, they looked at me and they said, I don't know how you're doing this. I don't know how you're doing this. We were about to leave for a tour. I have no idea how you're doing this. And I remember standing there and just thinking through that question, which doesn't seem all that profound, but I had never heard that question before put that way from someone who knows me very well. And I didn't even really have to say anything. You just know that you're known for, what you have talked about for a while. And now people believe it Mm -hmm. because of how you're handling the situation that anybody might be, might find themselves in, you know, Christians are not above pain and suffering, terrible things happening. It's, it's not about avoiding the pain and suffering. It's about how you bow your head and you take it and you face it. And in that moment, I knew that, you know, what actions mean, a lot more than anything I've ever said. This single interaction with this person probably speaks a lot more than anything I've said. The the now using that to look out towards my band guys, I think my the guys in my band, uh, regardless of where they are in their faith, um, do a very good job of being husbands and dads and business partners and bosses. And where they are in their faith is is not really something that I'm privy to. And I I actually respect that in a way because it's personal to them and it's not something that they platform and they, they show off in a grandiose way. That's like, look at me. 
which I find incredibly annoying about Christianity and the church. Sometimes it becomes your way of presenting yourself when it's like, wait, God made you to do certain things with your life. Like for me, the bang drums, as loud as I can. And God gave me that gift and I'm using it. And actually I love doing it. I don't look at it like something I'm doing for him initially, but then look at what happens because I'm doing this. God gives you all these opportunities because of the thing he gave you. It's not that he just made you so that you can say, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. I, I, I find that I have a lot of respect for people that lead with actions and not so much with their words. And I would say that that's my experience with the band. We don't really go into this world of talking about what we believe or don't believe all that much. It's more like, can we work together? Can we do a good job of treating each other well? Can we play this show and pull this off tonight? If we suck and we fail at it, how are we going to make it better the next day? Those, those day-to-day interactions are something that just earns a lot of respect in our camp more than like, here's who I am. Okay. So you could probably feel a question like this coming, but obviously you're, you're very familiar with the great commission and the, the mandate that we are to share the good news of, of Jesus in our lives. Do you almost feel like, do you feel that tug in you though, that you have a duty to share your faith and to have those faith level conversations with these men that are an, you know, unbelievably interlinked part of your life because I can see how someone would be like, okay, yeah, I didn't share uh, Christ with the the person that made my sandwich at Subway today. Uh, Man, that makes me feel bad versus this has been one of my closest friends for two decades. And if something were to happen to them, I would never be able to forgive myself that I didn't cross that, that line of, your life, my life. Hey, let's go along to get along. Libertarianism, who cares? To being like, hey man, I, I just need to tell you who Jesus is to me and what he's done for me. And I also need to tell you that he did that for you too. And then just let them you know, deal with it from there. Do you feel that gospel tug of like, hey, this is, this is more than just a business. Like I care about y'all's souls. This is more than just our families being able to hang out and it not be awkward. This is about mm-hmm. us hanging out in the next life. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a great thought. I think I probably need to hear that. It's it's as you're listening to this, or as you, you know, we're talking to each other. It's 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 obvious that it's much harder to have those conversations with someone you're close to and spend yep. a lot of time with than someone who you just meet in the subway and you'll never see again. That's right. I would actually say that it's not really all that hard, and maybe it's not even the right thing to do. It's just sort of lazy. Like, hey, by the way, God loves you. See ya. Never see you again. Ministry's dirty. You're in the trenches and, and people are going to look at your life as an indication of what you actually believe. Right. I would say since, so I got married last May. And since I got married, my prayer life has become a more important part of what I do. Um, just because I'm, I'm trying to take care of my family and taking care of someone and taking care of this, you know, my relationship. It, prayer is such a powerful starting point of your day or maybe the end of your day. Um, and so I, I've, I've been praying more about, about, I've been praying for people more than I have in the past. And I would, I would argue and pushing back against you, it's like, well, what is the way to carry out the great commission? Is it just with your words? 
Is it just by saying, hey, just so you know, God did this to their face when you're making breakfast on the bus next to each other and you're just, you know, brushing your teeth and you're starting off your day and you're going to be together the entire day. It's like, what is the best way to tell someone um, about God, something that they already know and something that they already know you stand for? Is it is it a reminder like that? Is that for you or is it for them? I found in my own life, it would be probably more for me than for them, at least at this point. And so the way I've been able to kind of um, start this chapter would be just like just praying about it and praying for them. Hmm. And whether that advances more into, hey, by the way, we should sit down sometime and talk about this. Great. But I, I think that that's not where I start. And it's not even halfway through. It might be at some point, but it's it's not the essence of like having a relationship with someone and having your actions speak for themselves and really actually caring for that person. I think the easy way is just to say it, the, the more difficult ways to live it out and actually pray and care for that person. I think there's there's certainly a lot of wisdom in that. The the thing that I would would encourage you to do is there are people, it's kind of like this church camp idea to where if you just live a good life, eventually someone will come up to you and be like, hey, why is your life so different? Oh, Jesus. And then we all give a thumbs up to the camera and it's like a Mentos commercial. Like, but at some point it's like, you're absolutely right. It's actions and words because you can't just use the name of Jesus and then you know, go act like a jack wagon the other 99.9% of your life. No one's going to believe you. But part of the thing is, is right. action. the thing that I've noticed, and this has kind of been shocking and really humbling to me, Matt, is there are a lot of people in my life that I assumed knew the gospel, but they just knew about Jesus. They didn't know the gospel. And that's that's the difference to where it's like they could say Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They could say Old Testament, New Testament. They can say Jesus died on a Roman cross at the behest of the Jewish Sanhedrin. You know, they could say stuff like that, but they don't know the gospel. And the good news is that, no, no, no. Jesus isn't just a Middle Eastern Jewish construction worker that died 2,000 years ago because he made a bunch of, you know, cultural elites mad. It's more than that. He was sent here for, you know, on a, on a secret mission that became not so secret. And it was to, to give you a way to have your sins paid for so that you can be in the presence of God for eternity. And so that would be my encouragement to you. And my encouragement to anybody else is like, when you sit down and talk to someone and you just like realize it's like a, your brain explodes, you're like, wait a minute, they've never heard the gospel. They've been in church for 20 years, but they've never heard the gospel. They got a bunch of life lesson stuff they got a bunch of like, hey, don't mm -hmm. don't cuss, don't drink, don't dance in public. They got a bunch of that stuff, you know, like behavioral modification, but they didn't get the gospel. And so um, to, to move on from that, I do want to kind of put a little bit of a bow on the intro. Believe it or not, we're still in the intro of this interview here, Matt, but we're there a lot of good stuff so far. But the reality well, I is- I would say- Okay, yeah, I'd go like ahead. to add on to that just Please. a second. You just sparked something. So I remember years ago, I was in Amsterdam and I was sitting on the bus and a lot of the guys went out- um, to drink and just kind of look around and have fun in Amsterdam. And there I am, this kid that had really no idea who I was. I just knew that I was a air quote Christian. Mm. Like I shouldn't be doing that stuff. So I'm going to stay here in the bus. So I was alone on the bus, Kyle, alone on the bus in Amsterdam. All my friends are out there and I'm just sitting there fuming like oh, I'm so much better than them. All those guys are out there sinning in Amsterdam. Yeah. And then it dawned on me. I'm like, okay, I'm not doing that stuff, but what am I doing? Yeah. Is it any better? Of course it's better. I'm not doing that stuff. 
And it's like, no. And what, what I, I wrote that night was a lyric that I don't think ever got used, <laughs> but I, I started writing a lyric about, um, are you familiar with the verse in the Bible where, uh, someone sits before God, God says, depart from me. I never knew you. He's sitting on his accolades, right? Yeah. Here's what I've done for you. I don't know. You. Yeah, but look at what I've done for you. And I had this vision or thought, and I wrote a lyric about it. There was a girl, she's sitting in front of God at his feet and, um, she's crouched over, right? And there's, there's no words being spoken. She's just sitting there. And God, in response to her sitting there, says, why, why, why do you, what are you doing? She says, I, I can't believe it. And God says, believe what? She says, believe that you are looking at me. There's no way you see me. Hmm. And he says, of, of course I see you. I'm looking right at you. And what you know about this girl is that she lived her life selling her body and had no idea what true love was. Her, her entire life, she's just sold her body and has been abused and taken advantage of and thrown away. And here she is sitting in God's presence for the first time, maybe ever feeling true love, at least this kind of love. And she can't believe God's looking at her. And God said, I love you. You are who I see. I understand you. I know what you've done with your life and I love you. And she says, if, if you understand what I've done with my life and you love me, you both know me and you love me at the same time. I will love you and follow you forever. And God says, come on in. And I thought to myself, wow, how much closer is someone to God's heart that's actually lived a life of sin and realizes the depth of their own crap yep. than someone who's stood up here, like I used to be, you know, stood up. I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't swear. I'm not going out to the bar. Mm. And you sit before God. How dare you? use God's name for that. And I, I'm, I'm, so gl- I'm so glad that God's grace in my life, honestly, has saved me from that mentality or is working on me still because I still have moments where it's like, Matt, you're, you're better than those guys over there. It's like, whoa, watch it. Watch it. What are you doing? And if you're listening to this and you, you can relate to that at all, um, I would encourage you to get out and work with people and get to know people who aren't like you. Because you'll start to realize how judgmental you are. And at the same time, you'll realize how much you have to offer people who don't know God's love or or don't know the Bible or don't know what it is to be known by someone and loved by them at the same time. Because no one of us deserves that. None of us. No. And that, that's the truth of the gospel is that none of us deserve it. Matt, I just recently spoke at a, <clears throat> I spoke a couple of times at a max security prison in Pennsylvania and I'm in there speaking to murderers, rapists, pedophiles, kidnappers, gangbangers, the worst of the worst that society has to offer. Right. And th- like, this is the prison where all MS 13 inmates have basically been sent to so they can kind of sort them out. Like it's a rough, rough place. Like I went through their museum where there were hundreds and hundreds of shanks that have been made over the years. But this is what I told the guys when I was in there talking to them. I said, you guys have crossed the lines of man. That's why you're here. That's why I get to leave and you don't. Because I haven't crossed the lines of man, but you have. But all of us have crossed the lines of God. So in that way, we are brothers. And so just because I geographically don't reside here doesn't make me better than you. It just doesn't. Because you're either, you know, a sinner that has no hope or you're a sinner saved by the blood of the lamb. And that's it. It's binary, brother. Like you're either going to spend eternity depart, like apart from God, or you're going to spend eternity with him. And that's, 
that's just a reality that I think for a lot of people, you're absolutely right. <clears throat> the word that I, I use would be depravity. Like when someone's had that rough life, made all these terrible, sinful mistakes, and they were just this horrible person, when they get snatched up by the truth of the gospel, they understand that it counts for them way more than the kid that never got in trouble growing up. The kid that mm-hmm. minded all his P's and, P's and Q's and was, you know, the, the consummate firstborn, you know what I mean? It's just a completely different thing entirely. Now I don't want to just, you know, take it's us off point. into, into total philosophical land. Cause I, we do need to do a little bit of business here, but I do just want to do, <laughs> I, I find it very interesting, Matt, you're currently in the middle of your 20 year anniversary tour as a band. And I don't care whose band it is or what band it is. When Led Zeppelin got together or when Metallica got together or when ABR got together and everybody made their first album, I don't even care about Led Zeppelin, but when Kill 'Em All was a record and when y'all released your, your first little EP with the elephant on the front of it and all that, and like you're on pure volume just trying to get people to listen to you, there's no way you could have known that two decades from now you would be on a bus going from city to city and that you would be playing before bigger audiences that you've ever played in front of. Take me through that because I'm so daggum happy for you guys uh, because of the work that you've put in and, and how y'all have stuck together. And it's been essentially the same lineup for a very, 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 very long time since the first LP. Mm-hmm. What's that feel like, man? I mean, it, 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 it's hard to sum up because I feel like we're celebrating 20 years on a tour, but we're still trying to reconcile the fact that it's been 20 years. On one hand, <laughs> yeah. you're saying, wow, you're old. and on another hand you're saying wow good job congratulations Mm -hmm. um we started the band for fun and we still have a lot of fun but i will say that it's our fans that have kept us here our fans are incredibly loyal and number two it is the guys in this band that don't stop working do not stop working keep pushing forward and creating and thinking of the next thing to do. And it's, it's really about the details. In the beginning, we sold pizzas. We literally had a bake sale and donated <laughs> plasma to raise money to record our first EP, which is the elephant on the cover. It looks fragile after all. We needed money to record. And so how are we going to make money? Well, let's all get together. Let's see if we can make a thousand bucks. And we did. We recorded the album and then we streamed our stuff on pure volume and it, and you know, hardcore mp3.com got a deal with solid state went to franklin recorded with adam d it's been a slow climb but i think the the foundation for what we've been doing is has really just it's been the same since the beginning which we love doing this and we want to do a good job doing the thing we love and so yeah we had some member changes in the beginning 2006 for as long as it's really mattered, we've we've had Jake, our vocalist, and Dustin, our bassist, and everyone's just kept working hard and finding themselves like in a better position than the year before. Like you just said, we're celebrating 20 years. We just played for our biggest audience in a, a club headliner position in Denver, Colorado, on this last tour, 3,400 people, and uh, we still have a whole nother leg to go in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and have a new album coming out on March 24th. Um, I'm just really grateful for the opportunity to do this because there are so many stars that had to align and it just, it just leaves you feeling fortunate to be in a band with guys that work hard and don't stop working and, and then fans that continue to support us all these years later. 
Well, and Matt, you know, your luck's going to continue because here next month, you're coming to Oklahoma City to see me. And what could be better than coming and seeing me in my beautiful ginger face? So, you know, you, you things are just going to keep looking up for you guys. But as you just mentioned, guys, if you're listening to this on time, y'all have got, if my math is correct, your 10th full-length studio album is out now. It's called Death Below. Mm-hmm. Now, first thing before we you know, dig into the album, because obviously we need to do that, we need to sell some records, you're on a new label, Sharp Tone. Now, most people don't understand this because almost nobody understands the music business. Almost nobody in the music business understands the music business. But there are bands that seemingly migrate from from this, you know, uh, this label to that label. Like y'all made a bunch of records on on you know Solid State, and then you've kind of done some. You've been on several different uh, labels since then. How does that all work? Do you just sign a a one album deal with mm-hmm. one label, and then you're basically a free agent after every single album that goes out? Our places like, yeah, if this album's really good and we like it, we'll sign you to another deal. Like, how does all that work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so every contract is different. But the 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 contract we signed with Solid State was like, hey, you guys are nothing. So we're going to sign you for, it might have been an option. Like, we'll put out the first one and, and then we'll we'll see where it goes. Yeah, and yeah, if yeah. things go well, we'll keep you for another four. So we were with them for like five albums. Once your contract is fulfilled, then like you said, you're a free agent. So at that point, you can say, well, I'd like to go to this label or there's a bunch of labels now looking at us because of our popularity on solid state. Mm-hmm. And you can negotiate and figure out the terms you want and then you can go and you can sign with them. The label we're on now, Sharp Tone, this is our first release with them. It's called, uh, our, yeah, so our new album is called Death Below. It comes out on the 24th. And we were just really stoked to sign with Sharp Tone because of the bands they have. And the deal that we agreed to with them, I feel like it's it's very much so them taking care of us and acknowledging the fact that we've been a band for so long mm-hmm. and also um, banking on us providing uh, success for them, right? It's a good business relationship. It's a two-way street. Prior to this, we were on Fearless and we had did a couple records with them and it was also a great label. But what happens is your contract runs up and you can say, we'd like to resign. We like what happened here or we'd like to look elsewhere. Mm-hmm. The thing that I've noticed about the music industry is it's it's changing all the time. So you might be really excited about Solid State in the beginning, but then after five albums, I mean, you're talking 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of time for the industry to change and maybe another label to pop up that fits your sound and your aesthetic more than your current label does. And so you say, all right, thank you but we're out of here. We're going this other place. Sometimes band comes, you know, come back to their original label. Um, there are a lot of bands that have left solid state that have gone back to them. We are at a place now where we're obviously a name that is known and we have name recognition and labels have more to offer us than they did when we were just signing back in 2005. So we have a little more weight to throw around, but there, there's a definite need for us to have a label, to have that support, to have that distribution. But even that's changed because of streaming services and there's not so much the need to get a CD into a store as there is to um, get the help you need to get the artwork together and um, get everything ironed out so you can get the release out, get the marketing, get as much promo as you can so that you can get as much streaming in the first week. Oddly enough, vinyl is hugely popular now. Right. And I don't handle a lot of this with the band, but I know that we make a lot of vinyl and we sell a lot of vinyl. And it's very cool to see that cycling back sharp tone has been awesome with that just uh, you know allowing us to 
be really creative and kind of stretch out and do as much as we want with our artwork and with our album and just, you know, kind of curate it the way we want it to be. It's, it's been a great thing to kind of see, cause you can also see the evolution. And another thing is you don't have to sound like every other band on the label. Like I don't really know of any prominent labels where every single one of the band sounds the same. That would get really, really boring, not only for the execs, right. but also for the people that are just like, and I guess in modern day, there's not people that are like, Oh, I'm a solid state guy. Oh, I'm a ferret guy. Like, it doesn't seem like we have as much of that. It's like, you're into what you're into and you don't like what you don't like. But there was something that was very, very different about this album. And thank you very much for getting me access to it early. I've, you know, wore it out in the, in the last couple of weeks is that y'all have features on this album. And I was like, wait a minute, this is like a rap album. What are all these features? So you have a song with Jesse Leach, who's the lead vocalist of Killswitch Engage, the original and now back. You have Jason Richardson, who's a guitarist, formerly of Born of Osiris. And guys, if you haven't listened to Born of Osiris, you need to check them out. And also Chelsea Grin. You have JT Cavi, the lead vocalist of Era. And then probably most prominently, Spencer Chamberlain, the lead vocalist of Under Oath. So who who gave you all the idea? Or was that like a label thing? They're like, yeah, yeah, we need to stick some other people on the album. Because that was just odd to me because unlike rap because rap you have your producer that makes the beat and all that and you need multiple voices to kind of make make the rest of it interesting but it's like you bring in a guitarist who's already a lead guitarist when you've already got jb you bring in a couple of different lead vocalists that they're not singing harmony with jake they're doing their own parts so like take me through that whole creative process right right so jb gets most of the credit uh for the idea to bring in guests and what happens is he'll approach us and be like, hey, I have this idea for uh, guest musicians or guest vocalists to come in and we can feature them on the album. Let's figure out what songs it might work for. So we'll send out, you know, text message or make a phone call. Hey, do you want to be on our album? And it's either a yes, I'd love it or we'll see or nah, I'm out. I don't want to do that. <laughs> can you tell and me who said no? I want to know. I want to name <laughs> names. Who are the people that said no? I need to have a co conversation with them. Right. Uh, I don't think we had any news. Okay. I think yeah, we had a good. lot of, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Okay. If we did, I don't know about him. Yeah. So I wrote, um, I worked with Spencer on uh, a song on the album and it was really cool to sit down with him on a Zoom call. We had like a 30 minute Zoom about the lyrics I wrote for a song on the album called Reckoning. And just, he would just wanted to know what the lyrics are about and what direction he should take his vocal feature in the song and maybe if there's any parameters or if he can kind of do whatever he wants to do. I grew up listening to Under Oath. So it was, it was wild to be on a zoom call with him and be like, wow, this is really amazing that the singer yeah. of Under Oath is going to be on our album and not only be singing a part of our song, but he's actually going to create something and bring something new to the table. Same thing with Jesse Leach. I'm sure that that was cool for Jake to have someone like him on, on the album. And um, it just, it helps round out the experience, right? It's like anything you can do to make the album better and stronger and bigger and have a wider reach, you should probably do those things. And and so we're, we're stoked. We have the artists on there that we do. And like you said, it's, it's, it might not be something people have seen from us in the past, but it's, it's something we've, we've thought about a lot and we've, we've done a little bit of but never to this extent. It's just not really a metal thing. And I, I don't know if like there was never like James Hetfield didn't do a song with Motorhead. Like you know, there's just certain things that just right. wouldn't wouldn't have fit for whatever reason. But on this album, it seemed to fit. But I will say on this album, Matt, that you almost made me very, very mm -hmm. angry. Okay. 
because there are two mm-hmm. really long songs on this album. Okay. The cleansing, which is the second track. And then the last track with Spencer called the reckoning. Like you mentioned, both songs are just shy of eight minutes long. And I thought we were under an agreement that no song ever can be longer than the seventh trumpet. Okay. That's the last song on thrill uh-huh. seeker. That's just over eight minutes long, but y'all are like, y'all are like <laughs> nipping at the seven trumpets heels. What's the, what's the big <laughs> idea here? Okay. Y'all trying to replace the seven trumpet. <laughs> the stars begin to fall. Yeah. You can't, you can't replace that song. Like what, but, but uh, I guess my, I'm kind of being a little bit tongue in cheek, but my question is, is like, you know, seven, eight, nine minute long songs. That's not August Burns Red. Like that's between the buried and me. That's tool. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's those types of bands that are maybe a little bit more prog or that you have to do acid before you can even understand what's going on in the song. But like, you know, what, what I guess <laughs> precipitated, you know, these two kind of more long songs. Yeah. Well, we started writing this album in 2020. It might have even been back in 2019. And we actually recorded guitars for some of the some of the album in 2020. Most of the album, actually. So you have to understand, it, it's, it's not just something you come up with intentionally. It's all done. Start recording it. We know exactly what we're doing. It's more like, okay, we have a couple songs. Let's go to the studio and start recording and see what happens. And I think people have this idea that, there's this guiding principle behind an album before you even start. Right. It's usually yeah. not that way. It's like, okay, we have a couple songs. That's that. Let's see what happens. And then you get into the studio and you're like, oh, this part's cool. Maybe we want to extend this part, or maybe we want to tag on this section that I've never used in a song. It fits in this song. It's in the right key, basically the right tempo. It, it fits musically. Let's keep it going. I think also we've been doing this for so long that it's like, huh, why not do something a little different than what we've done in a couple of years, the last couple albums? Death Below is different than some of our recent work. Um, how is it different? I would say it's less, it jumps around a little bit less. It doesn't have as many of those like random staccato moments that happen and then they're gone and they happen and then they're gone. There's more of a theme and I would say the theme is darker and heavier for one there's more blast beats that just settle in there's a blast beat for like a straight minute and backfire and that is odd for us i am the type of drummer that would write a part and get bored with it after five seconds and write something else and i think in our old age uh we we've we've settled into our sound a little bit more and we've we do the best we can with every album but it's like okay where are we at right now covid was a dark time for a lot of people i feel fortunate it was it was actually a really good year for me i was able to be home and not touring and dating my now wife and building my studio and it was actually a really positive time in my life but it wasn't that way for everybody from for most people and so i think some of the songs probably represent that uh year and just the odd time that it was to be home and grounded after you have to think like you're used to doing something for 15 16 years and all of a sudden you're told you can't do it anymore and you have to be home and so maybe creatively you're coming up with guitar parts or songs that are different because the rest of your life is too it's so interesting as i've because i probably listened to the album three if not four times all the way through before this interview and dark wasn't the word I would have used to describe it but it is because I guess in my head when I think dark I think Lorna Shore right I think of something like that to where it's like or impending doom where it's like 
this is dark. It's like you can feel the heaviness of the music sitting on top of you. But it, it's it's almost right. like a groovy dark. The new album's kind of a groovy dark, because you're right. I did notice the blast beats, because typically blast beats were a part of your music. I mean, you got a blast bell, for, God, for God's sakes, through Zildjian that you sell. <laughs> but it's just like, it was a little bit more extended. But I guess as you guys, look, as you look into the future, do you see yourselves as a band gravitating? Because here's the thing. Y'all are called the God's liturgy, gods of metalcore, right? Or, or the kings of metalcore to, to not offend anybody. Uh, right? I don't know. Are we called uh, that? Shh, shh, I did. I just okay. said it. So you're called that. Okay. I've seen it said of you guys that y'all are like the gods of metalcore, kings of metalcore. Like y'all ha have taken the sound and you own it now. It's like everybody else gets to borrow it when August Burns Red isn't using it. Okay. But you can venture <laughs> out into more death metal type stuff to more prog type stuff to all these other different genres that I won't say because people won't understand it on this show. Where do you see the sound gravitating towards? Because like there's something to be said for George Strait to make the same freaking album over and over and over and over. And then you get 50 number one hits because people like the sound and they like the story. And then there's another thing to be like, you know what? We need to expand our creative you know, legs or extend them out a little bit to kind of see where we go. Where, where do you guys think you'll be headed? Yeah, that's a good question. There are a lot of personalities in our band and creatively that comes out a lot of different ways. So, so some of us would say, well, we're not going to do the same thing over again because that's not being an artist. I, I have to do something I've never done before. It's kind of hard to do after 10 albums. And then someone else will say, well, this is really good. I don't care that we've done it before. Let's do it again. Yeah. You put five personalities together who care a lot about the little details and whatever we come up with is going to be good enough for us. and that's that's good enough and I, I i don't know what sound we are searching for next but i, I do know that we're not going to put something out that we don't like and that we're not proud of it, it might sound like it has in the past or it might be different i don't think that we're ever going to be the band that puts out an album it's like whoa that's really surprising i didn't think they would ever do that and having people throw stuff at us and call us sellouts. Like I, I think we have, we have too many safeguards in place internally to be like, no, 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 we can't do that. That's not us. Because of that, we're going to try to push the envelope because we're artists, but we're, but we also know what, what we're capable of as musicians. And here might be the biggest factor for me personally. I don't feel the need to show off what I'm capable of on the kit because it's not, I've matured as a musician. You know, it used to be like, go as crazy as you can, go as fast as you can, do as much as you can. People need to know you're a good drummer. Now it's like, wait, 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 what about the song? Mm -hmm. So we've, we've gotten better at that over the years where I come into the studio and someone knows they're not going to hurt my feelings by saying, Matt, stop it. Slow down, cut that out. Keep it simple, stupid. That's not the right idea. Let's do this one. And instead of me being like, oh my gosh, I spent all this time on this. You guys are a bunch of jerks. I hate you all. I'm leaving. <laughs> It's like, okay, yeah, you're right. Let's take this to a vote. I'm fine with whatever's best for the project. It's a more diplomatic system than it is uh, than it was back in the day, where I'd probably do something like that. Well, and, and that, that shows your maturity as a person, also as an artist. I say that like I'm an artist, but yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying. But like, look at the thing you did with Zildjian a while back where you had like this jazz ensemble band around you and things like that. Like that was a song. Like that was like, that was the most incredible things that I've ever heard because it's like, that's Matt, but 
who's this guy with like this 87 string bass, just like going nuts, like in the middle of this whole thing. Like it was, <laughs> it was really, really an, an awesome thing that you've done because it wasn't just look at awesome. how cool I am because I was brought here by Zildjian. It's like, no, it's like, let's, let's see how, how great of a song we can make. Now, one thing about your band is like whatever genre you end up getting into, you guys aren't a cover band but you do make some pretty amazing covers. So as a lot of people know, you make a lot of Christmas uh, covers. You did a whole Christmas album. But a couple of years ago, you guys dropped a cover of System of a Down's Chop Suey. Now, the reason why that was so awesome, because the cover was awesome, but I remember being at the last show where y'all were in Oklahoma City. And you know, like in between bands, when they're moving the the other guys, you know, kits and amps and all that off and, you know, getting ready for the band, you know, they're just playing random songs and, you know, people are kind of humming along, maybe singing a little bit of this or that, but then Chop Suey comes on and the crowd's freaking out. Everybody's singing the entire song, but we know y'all are about to come out. And so as a crowd, we're like, okay, let's not get too excited about Chop Suey because they're about to cut it off and bring the band out. Right. But literally the entire song played, everybody goes nuts because they were so excited that the entire song played and then the lights go dim. And then you guys come out and it was like, okay, let's all get ready. And so part of it is like, there's like a, a you know, a really, really good connection uh, for that song and your band and, and your fans and all that. But are there going to be more covers that you guys are going to do in the future that are kind of in that similar vein? And then I do have a request because I want to get your, your answer first, but I have a specific cover request that if you do take requests, this is the one I want. So are we going to get to see more covers? <laughs> well, let's hear your request. We'll see. And this will, this will tie into another question. I've always kind of had a dream that Lars Ulrich didn't exist and that you were the drummer for Metallica. Like that's kind of like a dream that I've had. I would love if y'all would cover battery or, or anything wow. off of ride the lightning or master of puppets. But battery is the one that just sticks out in my brain that that's the one song of all the songs that have ever been made other than maybe Freebird Cause I think that would be funny. I want y'all to, to cover battery. So <laughs> It's really, it's really ironic that you're bringing this up. My sister texted me Sunday or Saturday night, actually, pretty recently, a couple of days ago. And she goes, Matt, no, she didn't even say Matt. She said, do you guys think you could cover Enter Sandman? <laughs> okay. I didn't Sweet. respond to her for like three or four days until yesterday. And I, I was like, ah, it might be, Joanna, it might be kind of tough to do that because I feel like that's one song we would try to cover and the original would be better than our cover. And we would just make a fool of ourselves. <laughs> and then I talked to the band about it and JB's like, we could try. I'll listen to it and see what we can pull together. We literally just talked about that this week. So okay. Metallica, Metallica's on the table. And thank you for bringing this up because I love doing cover songs, whether it's a Christmas song or whether it's the Westworld theme song. It's just very fun to give our, um, I don't know, our own interpretation of what a song could sound like if we had written it. But we don't have to start at the bottom. We can literally just take a melody and take a general idea and kind of reconstruct it. So yes, we will continue doing covers and there are more Christmas songs on the way, I'm I'm sure. There's nothing in the works mm. right now. But Metallica was the most recent band talked about and I haven't thought about battery, but I'll I'll pitch it. Hey, well, I was going to say Master of Puppets, but that's, that's the lowest hanging fruit because that's probably the greatest 
a song that that band has ever made. But I mean, battery, that's the one to where it's like, you can't just listen to the Metallica songs that are on the radio and no battery necessarily. So that would be the one that would be right. like really, really good for the fans. But the other thing that's interesting about it is so going back to chop suey and I'm not taking anything away from the drummer of system of a down, but he's not the most incredible drummer in the world. Like he's good for that band and their sound. But then when you play that song and even just a little like blast beat during the verse, like just the random, right. it's like blast, 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 stop, blast, 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 stop. Like that's just so unique for for that song because you've heard that song a million times and then you hear it just a little bit different and it's just a little bit more interesting. But that does lead me into this question that I was going to ask. So it's funny that Metallica is kind of swirling around this part. There just has to be a song in y'all's catalog catalog that you hate playing live because like Metallica, mm -hmm. they've got to hate Enter Sandman by now because no matter where they play, when they play for how, how many songs, they always have to play the encore and play Enter Sandman for the rest of right. their lives. They've got to hate that song by now. So when right. y'all are in concert, is there a song that you guys have to play or they'll riot, but y'all are just so over the song? It's great question. It's different for me. Um, I'll say something I haven't said before publicly, which is I could play a song a thousand times, like Composure. I'm talking about Composure right now. Composure mm -hmm. is a song I've played probably 1,500 times. We've, we've played over 2,000 shows. I've, I've probably played it 2,000 times with practicing. A lot. I should know it by now. I still struggle with the song. There are parts of that song that are really hard on my feet. And it's huh. it's bizarre because, of course, I know what I'm supposed to play. Right. I could think about it easily. But to be able to actually carry it out on my kit, it's it's tough. I have to practice a lot. So do I hate playing a song or would I rather not play a song? Like I said in the beginning of this, I like to be challenged by what I'm doing. And it's part of the reason I still love drumming today because it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Composure is a really hard song for me to play. We always forever and ever will have to play whitewashed. I would argue composure is up there. Um, composure is a really tough song to play. And so therefore I still like playing it, even though I've played it a lot because it's not a gimme. It's not a, it's not an easy song to just slide in there. I would probably say that Laura Zorick hates playing one because it's a hard song on drums. And if it's, if he's not up for the challenge and just wants to get the show over with and get done, probably not a song he likes to see on the set list. But it's not, it's, not, um, it's not the case that I hate playing a song because I played it a lot. I hate, I hate playing a song if the crowd isn't into it and if it's, it's just something we're doing that's easy and we're just filling space. That would be an instance in which uh, it's not, let's not do that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think any of us want to just go through the motions. If the crowd's into a song, I don't really get sick and tired of it. I, I can't mm -hmm. speak for the rest of the guys. I'm sure it's not the case across the board. But composure and whitewash and basically every song we've ever written as a band is very hard for me, except for like Meridian, Carpe Diem, and uh, maybe an instrumental song here and there. It's all hard. I, I have to work a lot to be able to play it. And so therefore I still enjoy most of it. So what's the hardest? Like if there's one song to where it's like, even if you love it, even if you don't, new song, old song, what's the number one song where it's like, I can do this, but I'm going to have to really get after it. Oh, well, Rescue and Restore is mm -hmm. 10 years old this year. And there's some songs on that one we've never played live that are going to be tough. But uh, a, a song that we actively play on this tour, it's really tough. Backburner 
is still a really tough song. You have blast beats that are like 222 BPM. It's it's real quick. I know the parts, but it's like to really lock them in well and play at a high level. That's one of the toughest for sure. Okay. So we're going to go from the toughest song. And now I'm going to ask you a bunch of very uncomfortable questions that I'm sure you've heard before. Cause I think I asked you them on the last album, but we'll see if your answers uh, are different. Okay. If you, okay. Matt had to delete the entire ABR discography and everything, every album y'all have ever made disappeared except for one album. And that's the one album, not you, just you, not the entire band, just you, the one album that you are leaving for humanity. What's the album? I'm deleting every album except for this one. Except one. You you get to leave one and all of you guys disappear and this is how the world will know ABR existed. Hmm. I'm leaving Constellations. Okay. Why why that one? That that's obviously a fan favorite, but why that one? Two reasons. One, the artwork. I was laying in bed one night and I was thinking about the movie It's a Wonderful Life. It was right around Christmas time. There's a scene in the movie where, um, I forget the guy's name, but he's like, hey, you want the moon? Throw a lasso around it and pull it down for you. And I had this idea of, as Christians, <laughs> uh, we should be locked into God, like a star in the sky, versus kites, which are our own ambitions and hobbies in life that just kind of lead us astray. And I had this idea for artwork, and I sent it over to Ryan Clark, and uh, we came up with the artwork. And I just think it's really cool and um i don't know it's it's important to me the artwork is is cool how i had it conceptually and then we carried it out and then the second reason would be creatively i think my drumming on that album was um at, at a time when i was just sort of finding my feet as far as like i don't need to be the craziest and the fastest but i'm going to try to write things that are intentional for the song and lyrically i wrote some lyrics on that album that i'm really proud of Okay. So I'm leaving Constellations. Constellations. So I I would say Messengers first and then Constellations. The reason why I would say Messengers, if, if I had complete control, is because that was the album where it was like, oh, y'all just thought Thrill Seeker was as good as we could get, but now it's like Metalcore is ours now. Y'all just let us know if you want us to loan out this sound. And so that was when it was like... That's where I feel like the band was like, we're here to stay. It was like a giant middle finger to everyone, you know, that was just trying to get by in the world of metalcore. So that would be mine. But now we're going to make it impossibly hard. Okay. You have to delete every single song that August Burns Red has ever recorded, except for one. You get to leave one song for humanity. What's the song? Cutting the ties so that you can still have your podcast. I, hey, you know what? I would have no intro outro music if, if it came to it or whatever. But hey, that that is a that is a great way to have, to intro and outro. But like, you get one, you get one song. What is it? We're over a hundred now, well over a hundred. You get one. So you, so you so you don't want intro outro music. If I pick a song, are you going to use it as your intro outro music? I've told you from the beginning. Every time y'all record something that I'm legally allowed to put as the intro outro music, I'm going to switch it out. So I'm good switching it out, baby. Okay, good. We'll switch it out. All right. Uh, <laughs> I was going to be trying funny and say Britney Spears. No, 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 no. Hit me, baby. Cover. No, not <laughs> that one. Life. Th- that Britney would. Spears. <laughs> let's pretend like that one never happened. Okay, it's got to be on one of the I LPs. Agree. Okay, it's got to be on that's the LPs. The next question. We're deleting one song. It's going to be that one. That's got to go. <laughs> there you go. 
All right. Uh, we're, we're keeping one song to sum up everything else. All right. I'm going to say that song is Meddler. Okay. Why that one? Why is that one so special to you? Mm, I think it's a well-written song start to finish. I think lyrically it says a lot about our culture these days, which is hurry up, go as fast as you can, get as much as you can out of life and screw everybody else. And uh, my brother works primarily in palliative care and sits with a lot of people bedside at the end of their life. And I've talked to him about what are people saying? And it's like, oh, they're, what they're not saying is, I wish I had spent more time at the office. Um, what they are saying is, man, I have, I should have spent more time with a human being, whoever that is in their life. And so it just really makes me think about how I'm living my life and what's important and what's at the top. And the song talks about, you'll never fly fast enough to make time stand still. It's about how we are so task oriented and so driven that we forget about people and we prioritize profit over people. We prioritize so many things over things that matter. When, for those of you wondering, that is on the one album that Matt decided to keep. So that is on the Constellations uh, album. It's the second to last song on that album. Um, the one I would say, Kyle, I'm uh, very impressed. You, wow. I'm you hey, know more about my band than I know about my band, Matt. I can't remember <laughs> why I walked into the kitchen, but I can remember things that will literally not even right. ever come up on like any type of a game show. So it's, it's, it's nonsense like that. Now, the one that I would say is I would take one off of constellations and this is going to seem like low hanging fruit, but I would leave whitewashed. And the reason is because for my money, I wish it was appropriate to have like a minute long intro to a podcast. Cause that would have been the song that I would have asked dear, please, please. Can I have this as my intro? Because if there, if there were a musical representation of Wagyu beef, that's the intro to that song. Cause it's just, it's beef on top of beef and it's so sweet. Like it's just guys, if you haven't heard the song whitewash by August Burns red, I'm not kidding with you. Like just think about Wagyu beef. That's what the beginning of that song is. Okay, is that weird? Is it did weird that I just that compared scripted, it? Scripted or did you no, just come? No, up this with is that just right things now. that come to my crazy ginger brain. This is just how it goes. This podcast sponsored not scripted by at all. Wagyu beef. I it's think just, I just lost you. Your comment was so over the top. Okay, now you're back. I got you back. Hey, the the world just could not handle that nonsense that happened. But you tell the rest of your bandmates that I said that about whitewash, and when y'all play it here in Oklahoma City, like maybe we can get some wagyu beef. Throw it out to the crowd. Make it awkward. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you should probably start off. I think the cover for this episode should be a picture of some Wagyu beef. You, okay, you it's know the what? Only appropriate way to do this. Uh, so I'm going to ask your permission because normally I put a picture of the person. Do you want me, Matt Griner, to instead of having a picture of you on the artwork for this episode, do you want a picture of Wagyu beef? Because I'll do it. I will straight up do it. Somehow that does not surprise me about you, Kyle. Um, I, I don't, let me think about it. Okay. I might regret a decision I make right now in the moment. Okay. It was a funny. We'll, it was a really funny thing though. We'll follow up at the end. I prefer to put you on the cover so everyone can see your beautiful face. Although you don't have a big as a beard as you did the last time I had you on the show, which I'm a little triggered by, but you know, you got the, the cool guy beard right now. Okay. I got, I got more hard questions here. So you already mentioned that if you could go back to day one, and you could pick all the guys for your band, you would pick the guys that are in your band right now. But now I'm going to put you in a scenario where all those bandmates that are in your band right now, they don't exist. 
Okay. They disappeared from the face of the planet and you have to start a new band under a new name and new everything. And you can take any member of any other band without issue. And they are going to be part of your new band. We don't need to come up with a name or any of it right now, but you're the drummer for this brand new band. You can have whoever you want. Who's the vocalist, who's lead guitar, who's rhythm guitar, who's bass. And do you have anybody mm. playing like the triangle or something like that? Mm-hmm. Will Ferrell. Yeah. Will, Will Ferrell playing the playing triangle. The wood block cowbell. <clears throat> He's in the percussion stand over there. Makes sense. I would say Dave Grohl is my vocalist. I would say, I mean, I'm just going to go with Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers because I feel like he's going to add a lot to uh, the groove. We're not going to be a metal band, by the way. Do, wait, okay. do we have to be a metal band? No, we no, no. Whatever it's we want. new band. You can do whatever you want. Okay. I'm, I'm tempted to say we're going to be a worship band just to really get you going. Oh, but, uh, worship music's the best. I just love it. I just, I just cry the whole time. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, no, we won't be that. So flea playing bass, Dave Grohl. I'm going to go with hmm, guitarist. Really? I have to just pick anybody I want. Anybody you want. You can okay. have lead rhythm. You can have multiple rhythms. I know who I'm going. I'm going to go for Paul from between the buried and me. Okay. On lead and on rhythm. I'm going to go with, uh, we'll go with Matt Heafy from Trivium because that guy is a personality and it would just be fun to have him in the band and, uh, yeah, just to be able to tour with him. That would be an absolutely uh, crazy sound. Okay. I'm going to keep putting you in these weird scenarios. Now I want to know right. that if ABR disappeared and you could just slide in to another existing band right now. Which band would you love to be a part of? And then then we'll take it back to, to historical. Any band from history, if you could just slide in and be mm -hmm. the drummer for that band. So an existing band, you're their new drummer. And any band from history, mm -hmm. you're their new drummer. What would you see? Hmm. All right. I, I would like to play drums for like current, current day. I can pick any band. Any band today okay yeah, yeah. uh i want to play drums for metallica that's my dream yeah, i want to go i want to go up as high as you can go in this genre i'm going to metallica any band ever i'm going i'm playing for johnny cash oh i never even johnny thought cash. of that i mean I wouldn't that play... drive you nuts though it's boom chicka boom chicka boom chicka boom the whole time that's all it is oh man what i mean that's the, awesome i'm 37 you know, things are it's getting harder to play all this fast, heavy metal. I'm good with that. Oh, well, that kind of leads me to the question. So I've got one more question after this, and then we'll get you out of here. How, and this is literally, I know I've been joking around a little bit. Literally, how much longer do you think you can play at this speed? Because, uh, you know, we've talked about Lars and, and Metallica a lot. Like, aside from the fact that Lars just, it just constantly makes mistakes uh, when he plays those songs live. He can still play fast. It's not that interesting. It's not my favorite drumming in the world, but he can still play fast. And I think he's, if he's not in his sixties, he's close to it. How much longer can you keep the technique and to have the fast twitch ability to play the stuff that you're playing now? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I don't think the limitation will be me being able to play it physically. I think it, I think that my career Honestly, my, my time with this band is 
is something that I just take year by year. And I, I think that I'll, I would be able to play this kind of music in my forties and fifties. I mean, there, there are things that I could do to make it easier on myself. I wouldn't have to hit as hard. We could maybe slow down some tempos if it came to that. I, I used, I broke my ankle when I was 20, 21 and I played with a hard shell cast on and we slowed down some tempos and it was great. So I don't think the limitation would be how long could I do this physically? I think it would be, it would be more a question of what's the most important thing in my life right now. And is touring and spending time away from home interfering with that? Um, I would say that would be the limitation. I, my wife is very supportive of what I do. And, and um, I, I could see myself doing this for another 10 years, but at the same time, it's not something that I'm locking myself into and saying, I, I will do this until I'm 50. You know, it, I look at it year by year and sometimes even less than that and be like, is this still what I'm supposed to be doing? Okay, it is. I'm going to work really hard, stay in shape, practice a lot, and make sure that I can do it at the highest level so that I'm not taking away from this experience that I have. Because the baseline for your, you know, for your question is how long can you do this for? The fact that I'm still doing it is, is so awesome. And I don't want to take that for granted. And I want to do the best I can with the time I have. So that when I look back in 30 years, when I'm probably not doing it anymore, I can be like, well, I, I did everything I could at that time in my life. I'm proud of it. I did not take the easy route or the lazy route, and I gave it everything I had. That, that's my personality. I want to make sure that I I didn't um, compromise. Well, it's like, all. yeah, you want to make sure that you wrung yourself out for where you feel like God had you. But that actually does dovetail into the last question I wanted to ask you. It's you know kind of a personal and maybe a heavy place to end here, but it's important you're married now. That's okay. Obviously, you, your wife is supportive of the stuff that you've done. She's gone out on tour. Uh, some of y'all's tours with you and all that. Like you can see that on social media. And I know that other guys in the band have families. They have children and wives. And you know, I'm, they, I'm I would let them answer for themselves in terms of how all that works. But how, what does that look like? Because y'all don't play some shows. Y'all play a lot of shows. Like y'all, when you're when you're touring in between writing and recording an album you're touring, like you're getting after it in the United States. You're going over to Europe. You're, you're bouncing around all over the place. So it's one thing when you're single, maybe she's got a personality. That's okay. Being alone. She doesn't need to touch you every every 16 seconds to know that y'all are still in love, but kids do change things a little bit. What have those discussions been like? Because that'll obviously change what's going in the gumbo a little bit. It's a great question. And it's, it's a great, it's timed well too, because we're on a tour right now. And I say right now I'm home in my studio on a break. The only reason we're home right now is because a couple of us are married and we made the decision as a band that we need to prioritize quality time with family and not do a seven, six and a half, seven week tour all at once. Mm -hmm. Let's break it up into two chunks so that we can be more sustainable as a band and take care of what's the most important thing in our lives, honestly. And we all know that it's easier to do a month with a month in between, month, month off, month, than seven weeks straight. So yeah, it's more costly. Yeah, it might be a little bit more burdensome in in the workload of prepping for each leg step all at once. But man, it's it is so awesome. It's the first time we've ever done this. Yeah. And uh I'm glad that we as a band are able to look at this realistically. I, I'm not surprised because the guys in my band are, are smart and careful and care about things that matter. Um like our families more than anything. And speaking on a personal level about my wife, being married is awesome. And I, I am so 
glad that I, that God's grace in my life brought me to this place where I'm with my wife, Annie and, and just how much uh, more fulfilled I am at home and even on tour where I have someone praying for me. I have Mm -hmm. someone to live my life with and I, I have someone making me better on stage, even behind the kit. She's not a drummer. She doesn't know all that much about drums, but just little notes. Like if you can see this, I have these little notes all throughout my studio. Yeah. Proud of you. You're the hardest worker in the room. I mean, this stuff means a lot to me. And when I'm sitting down here working and I'm frustrated because I can't nail something, there goes my camera um, or because my camera falls down. I just, I know that someone's got my back and, um, it's really just made the band and touring and practicing and this whole thing so much better being with someone who I get to live my life with that, that sees my love for this and, and, and sees it in the right light and perspective. So it's interesting about that. Just yesterday I was talking uh, with a buddy of mine who's a pastor and he was, we were talking about ministry and he's like, yeah, your spouse is either going to be the launch pad or the lid to your ministry. And if you're not prioritizing, so for, for your sake, it would be your band or your art. She's either the launch pad or she's your lid. And those little notes that you just showed, like, I, dude, I've got notes sitting right here too from my wife, little, little note that, that, that I have here in my little workstation. And it's like, this is a launch pad. You know what I mean? Like, cause I can always yeah. look down and when, whenever I'm frustrated, cause you know, my, my voice, I'm having trouble with my voice. I'm having vocal cord surgery next month. I'm, I got a lot of kind of fear around, you know, talking into a microphone for a living and maybe that mm-hmm. being potentially taken away from me, but it's like, right. I've, I've got a launch pad, you know, uh, for a mm-hmm. wife that's really going to be helping propel whatever this is, whatever undaunted life is. And for you, it seems like you've got a launch pad to whatever, Matt Griner, the drummer or Matt Griner, the dot, 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 that is going to go off into eternity that she's going to be part of the team. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm rooting for you, man. I, I really like what you're doing with the dawned life and uh, we might not agree on everything, but I, I really appreciate the fact just speaking publicly here on the recording. I don't know if people are still listening at this point, but if you are, um, there's, there are, there are a lot of people who are not willing to take a stand for something and you might not agree with what someone says, but no matter what they say, it is a lot easier to believe them and listen to them if they actually stand for something. And Undawn Life's always been something that I, when I think of the lion or I wear the shirt or I hear you talk about the Lion of Judah, it's like you've always been steady with that. And um, that's motivating for me to be that way in my life um, in, in a way that, you know, we, we, we need in our culture. There's so much up and down and left and right. And no one knows where anyone else stands and it's not helpful. So thank, thank you to Undaunted Life for having me and to you for starting this whole thing and having me back. Well, that is a, a tremendous compliment. I, I definitely appreciate that. It's kind of one of those things. It's like some people are like, Kyle just sounds so sure of himself and he's so opinionated. It's like, would you listen to someone's show where for an hour they don't have a fully formed opinion? It's like, that's not something <laughs> like my favorite commentary is what you just basically gave me. I don't always agree with what you say, but I basically don't yeah. care what's after the but. It's showing that, hey, you're you're paying attention. You appreciate what we're doing here. So I appreciate that very, very much. But, you know, we went everywhere in this conversation just like the last one, but that's all for me. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest? Yeah. Um, well, to bring Jordan Peterson into this, since we were talking about him before, yeah. he said something that stuck with me, which is when he sits down for an interview and you've had the chance to meet him, um, which, which is awesome. You know, it's really cool that you got to spend some time with him. But 
what I heard him say was when he sits down and talks to somebody, he really doesn't care if he convinces them of what he's saying. He's not looking for them to like him mm. or affirm his stance on something. He thinks in a really logical sense, of course, it's Jordan Peterson. How far is this going to go? This truth that I, I believe is true is going to be broadcasted and eventually maybe find millions of people. And look what's happened. Millions of people have heard what he said. And the person that he's talking to doesn't always sit there and nod their head and agree. Of course. So I use that and I, I think about that. And I think, man, it really doesn't matter to me if you, Kyle, agree with what I said here today. What matters to me is that it, it's, it's where I'm at and I think it's true. And, and also at the same time, um, the guys in my band might listen to this and I, I want to do a good job of representing them because they can't be here to represent themselves. And mm -hmm. I, I try to be honest and I also try to give credit where credit's due. And I, I can't be on a podcast talking about my band and not talk about my band members because it's really the team that makes it all work. So thank, thank you to Jordan Peterson for kind of bringing that idea into light, which is like, don't people please. Don't mm -hmm. try to make someone like you speak the truth. And it really doesn't matter if the person likes you. Actually, it's probably going to go a lot further if you say something that you think is true and doesn't get uh, the affirmation in the moment, but might get a whole lot more than that in the long run. Speak the truth and let the chips fall where they may. Matt Griner, thank you for coming back on Undaunted Life of Man's podcast. My pleasure. Thank you, sir. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed the return appearance of Matt Griner on the show. But before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So the links I've got for you today, I've got a link to the August Burns Red website. So you can go there if you want to buy vinyls of their records, t-shirts, all kinds of different things. If you want to know when they're coming on tour, that's the best place to go. Again, I've got a YouTube video to one of the album singles off the new album. It's their song Ancestry with Jesse Leach, who's the lead singer of Kill Switch Engage. And then also a link to Matt's Instagram. And just here's my encouragement to all of you guys, If whether you're listening on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever else people download their music, make sure you go out and save and download, stream, buy, purchase, whatever you got to do, the new August Burns Red album, Death Below. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a positive five-star review. If you want me to come speak live at your event or on your podcast, just shoot me an email to info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. Follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook and check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming your way. Just go to www.undaunted.life. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their music for our content. The music on this podcast is our song Cutting the Tides, which is off their 10th anniversary re-recording of their album Leveler. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. <laughs>